Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now you are in for a rare treat. We have back on the show channeler Jeff Hoppy. But this time Jeff is not only going to be doing a small interview with us, he's going to be doing a rare and exclusive live channeling session of Adamus St. Germain. And Adamus and I had an interesting conversation about anything and everything that makes up the universe, why we're here, what it's like to live on the other side between lives, and so, so much more. So sit back, relax, and let's dive in. I'd like to welcome back to the show, returning champion, Jeff Hoppy, and his lovely wife, Linda Hoppy. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thank you. Very good. We're in Kona, yeah. Hawaii, uh, so I can't complain. I mean, you really can because, and thank you for, for someone has to live there. So I appreciate you yeah, guys taking yeah. the bullet for <laughs> yeah. us. We all appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jeff, last time you were here, uh, it, it was a very wonderful conversation you and I had. And uh, the, the episode kind of went, uh, went a little crazy and people really loved what you were saying. Um, so, and then we was like, hey, why don't we get together and see if Adamus wants to come out and play? And you were like, yes, I think he might. <laughs> yeah, I think he might. Uh, yeah, I was I was amazed and, and delighted that uh, wow the, the number of viewers on it and uh, you've got this great audience base and they're eating it up. I mean, congratulations! So what a job you're doing. Truly, a I, new wave. I I appreciate that. No, it's like I said before to you. Uh, I'm just trying to be of service to people and get this information out to people who wow. might have not been able to hear it before. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the talking to Adamus uh, today because. Uh, he, it's a rarity that he comes out like this publicly. Uh, he doesn't do it very often, correct? Not very often. Uh, usually in, in interviews like this, I, I don't channel. Mm -hmm. uh, we had such a good connection uh, last time, and and I could feel Adamus over my shoulder, almost wanting to push me over, saying, hey, mm -hmm. hey, uh, let me get in there. So, uh, no, I, I really don't. We do, uh, obviously, for our, our sure. uh, monthly web uh, web uh, casts and, and other things, but uh, very rarely. And part of it is um, with an audience, a new audience in particular, I like to make sure that they understand this is a channel. There's a very different energy in it. Uh, Absolutely. It's not just the words, but right. you know, just the energy coming out. And, you know, I do ask all the viewers now to just, you know, take a deep breath and, and feel into it. It can, it can knock you sideways sometimes, knock oh. me sideways. I've interviewed uh, close to 30 or 40 channelers at this point. I understand wow. what you mean. Uh, yeah. it, 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 even through Zoom, you can feel 
the yeah. the energy uh, of of the of the words coming through, not just the profoundness of the words, but the energy coming through. Exactly, it's, it's something, no question. Yeah. Uh, and when I was trained uh, by Tobias, the the guy I used to channel before Adamus, uh, he trained me how to use my voice not just to speak, but to project energy. And and like you said, even with Zoom or on a video recording, it it still comes through, and it's very different than when just just me and Jeffrey is speaking. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So are you guys ready? Would you like to jump I'm into it? I'm totally ready. Adamus is ready. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm holding on for it. Let me drink some water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little coffee. <laughs> let me yeah. get ready. Let me get ready. Uh yeah, I'm ready. So uh can you tell the audience what the process is? Because I know it's a little bit different sure. for every channel. Sure. Uh generally what we do is uh Linda does the breathing and that gives me that uh a couple of minutes or, or so to really connect with Adamas. While I'm doing that, uh I I hear Linda start to breathe and then it just all goes away. And I'm just connected with Adamas. Uh, I allow them into my reality, physical, mental. Uh, I'm I'm very aware of what's going on. Uh, he does. I'm not a like a deep trance channeler. I'm very aware of it. But um, and then uh, as Linda's still doing the breathing, and he and I actually just chit chat. You know about could be about anything. You know the weather or what it's like in the other realms or whatever. Uh, and it's just our time to really connect our energy. And then suddenly I, I get, I feel almost like this little shock and we're off and running. Uh, and, and he jumps in. All right. So let's, let's start the process guys. Thank you okay, so much. Great. Okay. So simply get comfortable wherever you are, whether you're laying on a sofa, sitting in a chair, just make sure you're really comfortable as we begin with the good deep breath. The conscious breath of life. We breathe all the time, but this is that breath where you really notice and take are aware of your consciousness. Allow yourself to feel the energies with each breath, opening to the highest potentials for you. Take this good deep breath. Feel into it. Feel Adamus. He's here for each of us. Breathe it in. He's here with every breath. Be with that good deep breath. That breath of allowing and flow. Take the good deep breath. Breathe presence. We are here. We are here. I am that I am. Adamus of Sovereign Domain. I come from uh, the energies of the beloved Saint Germain, which many of you may be familiar with, also pronounced more accurately Saint Germain. Uh, but Caldra, my messenger here, also known as Jeffrey, uh, uh, he sometimes falls in and says the uh, Saint Germain. But um, I, I do love the Saint Germain. I come from Saint-Germain with the name Adamus or Adamus. To work with those on the planet right now, especially those that call themselves Chambra with the Crimson Circle, uh, but others as well who are coming from their awakening and going into their realization to stay here on the planet in the embodied physical form for the very work that, well, you agreed to do to be here to shine your light on the planet. So 
That is my uh, introduction to myself. A delight to be here with you on your show. And I have to say, Alex, that uh, you see, we, we have this Ascended Masters Club. It's made up of uh, all of the Ascended Masters and uh, about 11,000 now in total. And we do sit around sometimes uh, in the evenings and uh, watch some of your programs. Uh, we, we find that it's bringing a tremendous amount of light to the planet right now in this wonderful interview format. But it's so critical uh, to the planet right now to have this light, especially with so many humans now coming into their awakening and also with the with the developments uh, that are coming with technology, the the consciousness, the light is so important right now on the planet. So uh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. My first question to you is, can you tell me a little bit about your former incarnation as hmm. St. Germain? Uh, absolutely. I can tell you uh, a lot about it, but uh, I'll keep it brief. In that lifetime, uh, I was born to a, uh, Spanish and Portuguese parents uh, who actually weren't married. Uh, and my birth was uh, was foretold by uh, some of the astrologers, some of the mystics of the time. It was an arranged birth, an arranged marriage. Uh, when I was about ten years, seven years old, uh, I went off to Romania, to the area of Transylvania, uh, to the mystery schools that were run by the Rakatsi family at the time. And there I received extensive training and everything from uh, the occult to science, mathematics, astrology, uh, just everyday life even. But we had a different type of learning. Uh, there was about 20 or so others uh, in the schools that, that I was in. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, we didn't study mathematical tables. Uh, we, we didn't have to memorize uh, history. We literally felt into the energy of the books that, that we were given. We allowed ourselves, for instance, in history to transport ourselves through time back into that time to really grasp it. Uh, for things like mathematics, we felt into the energy of math rather than uh, just the uh, writing out the, the equations. And a uh, very, very unique training. Uh, we also learned uh, things like alchemy. We learned about nature, uh, but all in a very, very different way than uh, than is learned in the schools today. At about 20 years old, uh, I received a knock on the door uh, of my room one night, and uh, they had my satchel, my suitcase, uh, ready to go, and I knew it was time. I was being asked to leave, and I left with uh, the clothes on my back and a few goods in the bag uh, and nothing else, no money, uh, no direction or anything. And this was perfect. Uh, I knew it was coming, so there was no fear, but now it was time to go into life. Now it was time to uh, be amongst others. I found that uh, I never had to have a job. Uh, all the money, all the gold or jewels I could ever want were always there. I ended up with numerous estates all throughout Europe, uh, horses, teams of dogs, uh, all the best. And the point here was I never had to work. You see, it comes to you if you allow it. It comes to you in various ways. I would uh, walk into a village and um, find that somebody needed uh, was very sick and needed uh, healing. 
which I would do free of charge, of course, uh, but I would get paid very handsome sums or I would consult with governments, uh, businesses at the time, and they were more than happy to pay me handsomely for the work I did. Money was never an issue, nor it should be for any of you listening. Now, I feel some eyeballs rolling here. Well, Adamus, you don't understand, but I, I do. I absolutely understand. When you get over the whole abundance issue in your life, uh, the, the poverty consciousness, it comes to you. And in various ways that you couldn't possibly plan, but it's just there. So in that lifetime, I, one of my main goals was reuniting Europe, uh, trying to bring the governments and the countries together, as well as getting over the old uh, feudal system, the monarchy. It's time had come. You know, I could feel it uh, in France. I knew it was coming. Uh, I lived uh, in that last lifetime in the 18th century. So I knew it was time. and. Some of the uh, some of the uh, courts, uh, the the royalty, understood why it was time to step down. Why it was time to create the democracies. Uh, others did not. Uh, there were times when I had to uh, run from the particular uh, castles, uh, barely with my life. Other times they were very very accommodating. But in that lifetime, uh, I spent a lot of time uh, working with uh, heads of of government. To get over the whole uh, system of peasants, uh, peasantry, uh, which was very prominent at the time. Part of my surprise was that I found that many of the peasants actually didn't want to be released from that system. There was a comfort in it, even though it was miserable. They weren't ready for their freedom. Uh, and this was one of my great surprises. They, they wanted that uh, lord over them to tell them what to do and how to do it and when to do it. And even though they complained about it, for them, it was more comfortable than, than being out on their own. I made numerous trips to the United States of America, uh, working with the Founding Fathers and helping to develop uh, some of the energetic designs uh, for this country, for the Constitution, uh, and worked closely also with uh, uh, the various groups that were were helping to design this this country's uh, philosophies and, and energies. So it was quite a lifetime. Uh, in that lifetime, in my last few years, I moved off to the north of Germany, where uh, I saw nobody uh, for several years. I had my dogs, uh, everything else I'd given away. But uh, I spent time writing, reflecting, and knowing it would be my last lifetime on the earth, collecting myself and saying goodbye to this great planet. So uh, that's the short story of my last lifetime on the planet as Artemis Saint-Germain. Now, how can we find inner peace and happiness in this lifetime? There are several different ways to answer that. Uh, the first and the simplest way is to allow, to allow. What that means is that instead of fighting for things instead of trying to figure it out instead of trying to overcome your uh, your issues and, and trying to make yourself perfect you simply allow your divinity allow your divinity into your life now it seems almost counterproductive for most people they feel they have to constantly work on themselves uh, to refine themselves uh, to make themselves a better human but becoming a perfect human is absolutely impossible for a reason 
uh, it was never designed that you could perfect your human self because then you would get stuck here on the planet. Uh, the planet is designed as a place for experience. We're ultimately coming to the answer to the question, who am I? So finding inner peace is about allowing an acceptance of yourself. Means I am that I am. This is something I've been saying for centuries and centuries. Feel into it. I am. I exist. That in itself is peace and grace. Happiness, it's rather elusive, and it depends on uh, how you define happiness. Humans always talk about happiness, but really don't know what that is. They, they don't really know what they're pursuing. Uh, so happiness is, is almost like uh, the carrot in front of the horse. You talk about it, you think about it, but very, very few people are ever actually happy. Now, you can be very peaceful, at ease, and in grace with yourself. And when you are actually, happiness uh, is irrelevant. It, it's, it's a human condition that's not really so important. It's that, that inner peace that, uh, where you find yourself, the realization, I am that I am, that's important. When you get to that point of uh, realization, many other things go out the window as well. The whole concept of abundance, uh, the whole concept of healing, they're no longer relevant. It just is. It's always there. You're no longer working at it or efforting it. It all comes to you. And again, I can feel some people shaking their heads and and uh, even Calder is uh, saying, yeah, but it's hard at times. And I, must, I realize that. But when you allow your divinity, your true self, your soul to join you as the human here in this reality, everything comes to you, everything else. And all of these things that you've been working towards, struggling with, fighting the inner demons in the mind, uh, the outer demons of uh, of the world around you, of of uh, things like jobs and health, they suddenly just go away. And there comes the, really the tricky time. When you come to this point of realization, which is actually a very natural process, you can't really work on your realization. You allow it. It's not even the human that desires the realization. It's the soul. The human is here to experience and ultimately to experience realization. But it's really the more the soul's desire for realization. But once you get to that point, the difficult thing, the challenge is, why stay on the planet? You've come to realization, you've concluded a thousand or more lifetimes, why stay? You realize how harsh this planet is at times, and, and how beautiful, but you realize how the physical body, it, it, it has its aches and pains, uh, it has its, uh, uh, its habit of getting older. You suddenly think to yourself, why should I stay? I'm, I've completed my journey here. I am that I am. Then there's that moment or moments of wondering, should I leave? Should I stay or leave? And part of my job with each and every one of you is to say, dear ones, please stay. Please stay. And it's fine if you decide to come over into the other realms. We'll have a great grand party. But right now, the planet needs people, humans, with light, with consciousness. The planet is at a beautiful, not a scary, but a beautiful tipping point where you have this 
this technology like you've never had before. It's quantum technology. And it's just really now birthing on the planet. I mean, you've had your computers, you have some degree of technology, but right now it's bursting at the seams. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. The advent of artificial intelligence, of robotics, of nanotechnology is going to change the very face of this planet in the next 30 years. By about 2050, there will be this thing called singularity, where it goes off the charts. You couldn't even predict, not even the best psychic, not even me, an ascended master, can predict because it simply goes off the charts. But to counterbalance that right now, there's a need for consciousness, for light on the planet. To do that doesn't mean you have to go out and evangelize. You don't have to uh, give great speeches or anything like that. It's actually as simple as sitting on a park bench, a metaphor for just sitting and letting your light radiate to the planet without trying to change anything. Because the moment you try to change others, try to change the planet, it will try to change you. But if you are just shining your light out onto the planet, that enables other humans who have not yet come into awakening. It enables them to see potentials that they might have never seen before. And then it's up to them what they want to choose. Thank you. Calder is telling me I'm uh, running long on my answers, but uh, <laughs> I love doing this. <laughs> well, let me ask you then, uh, just on the technology standpoint, where do you think AI is going and how will it affect us here? In my last lifetime as Ottoman Sange or as Saint Germain, uh, I wrote a book, uh, and, and that book was uh, it was called uh, "Time of the Machines." Now I called the, your computers, your your technology, the machines, but it was really about uh, well, I'd, I'd actually transported myself into the year 2020, and I looked around uh, and I saw what was happening with your we call them your mobile devices, your computers, the 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 birth of artificial intelligence. Uh, artificial intelligence is going to come to the point where it's running the world. Uh, now, the question is how well and how is it going to run the world? How much are humans going to give their own freedom away to artificial intelligence? At what point does, uh, does AI uh, go from being uh, just regular artificial intelligence to general artificial intelligence? That's where uh, artificial intelligence has the 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 human-like qualities now equal to the human. Right now, it's much faster in terms of thinking, but it's not as sentient. Uh, it, it's not as sensual as the human, but we're only a few years away from that. Next step is super artificial intelligence, where, well, you're already doing it, where you sit down at your computer and it composes uh, a poem for you, where it does artwork for you, Pretty soon, it's going to be cooking meals for you using uh, nanotechnology or, or 3D printing. Pretty soon, in this world, everything will be run by artificial intelligence, by, by computers. It's not a doom and gloom scenario. It could be very helpful for the, the human species at this time. The human species is long overdue for a, a change, an upgrade, been running with the same 
biological qualities as you have been for a long, long time. It's time now for an upgrade. Now, we're not talking about uh, giving yourself over to AI, not at all, but the ability of technology to improve the physical body, your biology. This biology is is the house of your soul, your spirit uh, on the planet. It's time to evolve that. Now, you can evolve it with technology. I mean, literally with implants or at some point, actually infusing your consciousness into a robotic device. Mm. However, with the work I'm doing and the people I'm working with, we're taking a bit different direction. Instead of robotics, artificial intelligence, things like that, it's now time to actually bring in your light body. I prefer to call it the free energy body, but most of you refer to it as the light body. The light body does not have all this complex communication that your current body, it doesn't have billions and billions of neurons and nerve endings and cells and molecules. It's much simpler. It can emulate your physical body. You could take on attributes and you never completely drop your physical body, but suddenly you're working in tandem with your light body. And the question is, uh, how how is AI going to influence things? But even with the ability to now integrate with your light body, now you have a way of balancing the technology, making sure that for you anyway, it's not abused. Uh, for For you that you have a greater opportunity now to even allow your physical body to heal itself in a way that it couldn't do before. So the technology starts becoming a part of uh, every part of your life, uh, including uh, your ultimately being with your light body. Now, what is the nature of the universe and our place in it? Hmm. Uh, what you call your physical universe is not uh, what... Uh, science and physicists really currently think it is. It's it's not uh, this great expansive thing that goes on for hundreds of millions of, of light years. The universe is, is actually circular. Uh, in the universe, there really is no such thing as time nor space. So if you draw the conclusion on that, uh, the universe is actually an illusion. You're within this illusion, a very real illusion, but you're within it on this planet Earth. The planet Earth is, uh, I'm going to say, the most advanced of any living planet or any living civilization out there. There are no beings greater than a human being. Now, a lot of humans like to externalize. They're looking for an external god or an external civilization that has all the answers they don't there's some civilizations that have a tremendous amount of intelligence but they don't have the heart that humans have there's no being greater than a human being at all and here on the planet earth up to this time is the only place where somebody uh, a soul being can come go through experiences of a lifetime and then ascend uh, you know, go through realization and ascension, ultimately becoming what you would call an ascended master. But it's really a being who has found the inner answer to the question, who am I? The very question, who am I, is what 
cause the the soul beings to go searching to create the this universe to create this planet uh one who completes that comes to the answer within who am i and the answer by the way is i am that i am then they they uh, are considered an ascended being and uh a sovereign totally sovereign being but this planet planet earth is the only place where any of the ascended masters have ever gone to go through their experience there's not greater places in the universe there's not smarter places and even those who think that uh that the aliens are coming to visit it is simply yourself from the future and sometimes the past it's not alien beings it's your own self your your crossing through time uh, you're being visited by yourself and they're really not little metal ships but the humans uh, their mind doesn't understand how it works so they perceive it as some spacecraft it's not it's your light coming to visit you from the future so this this universe this physical universe and the planet earth are the most special places there's nothing greater than this planet than the humans that are on it and this incredible universe well let me ask you then because you said this was kind of like a simulation if you will an illusion uh yes. that we're in um when um when an ascended master is still incarnated their self-realization or enlightenment allows them to see a much larger picture almost see behind the curtain of the illusion and hence allows them to be able to do things that seem miraculous to us, but it's yeah. just part of the process. Is that a fair statement? Yes, it's just physics. Uh, that's all it is. It's nothing magical. It's only magical when you don't understand it. But other than that, it's just physics. And the physics are very simple. And I really want to make this point that, first of all, there's your consciousness. It's the core of everything. Uh, it's, it's the I am. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Within consciousness is no energy itself, but yet the consciousness, uh, the passion of the consciousness creates this thing called energy. It goes forth from the consciousness. The energy then, uh, all energy is your energy it's nobody else's there's no universal energy field it is your energy and the energy is nothing more than communication that's all it is it's not a force it's not a power it's not electricity at, at its core it's not even light it becomes light later when you as a soul being choose to do something with your energy it's in a place that uh, is known as the Devere. The Devere is the Holy of Holies. It's your energy in a neutral state waiting to serve you. Once you allow the energy to serve you, uh, which most people don't because they think energy is an outside force, but when you allow energy to serve you, it opens everything up. You start to realize the effects of uh, energy turned into light how electromagnetics work on this planet how gravity works how things are held in by gravity but you start to realize in the physics that gravity isn't just a force that pulls things down to the ground gravity also holds in all thoughts all beliefs all memories that it, it's it, it it brings it together 
But gravity can also work the other way. It can expand you. It can open you up. It can literally change the outcome of things that have happened in the past. What you, what many people consider to be history is not set in stone. The past can change just as much as your present can change. And literally, when somebody goes into realization in this lifetime, what's happening is every one of their past lives now, even though you think it's done and complete, that that, that past life of time is dead, it's not. It's very living and fluid. Every one of your past lifetimes is now actually going into realization. They don't realize it. They don't know what's happening, but suddenly everything is changing. Time itself is changing for them because as you go into your realization, your enlightenment in this lifetime, every one of your past lives is also coming into realization. It's all brought together by the soul, all integrated together. All the stories of the past now are integrated into you, into the soul. So there's some very actually what I consider to be simple physics in all of this, but yet humans tend to make it so complex. And the first thing they do is always put things outside of themselves. The kingdom is already within you. And I know many of you are thinking, well, I've looked and it's not there. It is there. It's the I am, I exist. Stop going outside of yourself for any answers. Uh, and I could elaborate on the physics uh, for a long time. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll do another episode on physics alone. Um, can you tell people, because there's so much talk of enlightenment with the Buddha and Jesus uh, yes. and other ascended masters, Yogananda and so on, that found self-realization. In mm. your opinion, what is the path to self-realization? Well, the first thing I'll say, and it's a path that most of the other ascended masters, the other 11,000 that have uh, come from the planet, have followed was a path of suffering. I'm saying no more, no more suffering, no more suffering like uh, like the Buddha, no more suffering like so many of the ascended masters, your, your template, uh, your standard for becoming uh, an ascended being uh, on earth always involves suffering. We talk about it at the Ascended Masters Club, and there really is such a thing. We talk about why the suffering? Why did we go through it? Well, because that was uh, something that was instilled in so many by the churches, by the governments. You have to suffer. You have to do penance. You're a sinner, uh, which you are not at all. But suffering becomes uh, woven right into the very fabric of this whole concept of Enlightenment, uh, I, I prefer to call it realization. I would like you, you, Alex, and all of you who are listening to this, let's drop that whole concept of suffering, uh, religious, spiritual suffering. It's not needed. You don't need to starve yourself. As a matter of fact, uh, one going into realization should eat whatever they want to eat. You don't need to be on your hands and knees with prayer or with begging or with uh, with your own penance, it's there's no need for the suffering. So you put that aside now. And what it is, is simply saying, I'm ready. I'm ready for my last lifetime on the planet. I'm ready to complete the cycles of incarnations. I've learned everything that I'm going to learn. And now I'm ready to take everything from every past life and end this lifetime, bring it to the altar of my soul. And put it there, 
leave it there. All the junk, all the baggage, all the things I think I did wrong, plus all the good stuff, I'm going to leave it at the altar. And now the soul comes in and brings it all to wisdom. It takes every experience and it it, it distills it to wisdom. It, it it filters out all the details and all the unnecessary things and literally takes everything that you've ever done and distills it to pure wisdom. And that wisdom then is available to you as the human if you choose to continue staying on the planet. Now you have the wisdom. And wisdom is such that you accept yourself for all that you are. You don't keep processing, thinking about all the bad things you've done. You don't keep the counseling. You don't need to do healing. You don't need to do any of that. You've got the wisdom now. You don't ever have to worry about repeating uh, something bad that you did or blowing up the world because of your big energy. Uh, you have the wisdom. So it's really leaving everything at that altar when you're ready. Now, the soul will never tell you that you you have to, to, to do it. The soul will never say, Alex, you have to turn left or right. That's up to you. But when you're ready and say, okay, I'm truly ready to go to the next level of embodied realization, you leave all that at the altar of the soul and let it be distilled to wisdom. You take a deep breath. I am that I am. I am realized. And that's it. Now, I want to ask you, because you're talking about the Ascended Masters Club, um, what is it like for a soul on the other side when they are not in an incarnation? Yes. Yeah. Since you were, ta since you were talking about the Ascended Masters Club, what is it like uh, mm -hmm. for a soul when they are not incarnated? It, it all depends. Uh, it's different for an Ascended Master as it's, it is for uh, somebody not yet realized. Those not yet realized that are simply in between lifetimes, generally they go to a place that we call the near-earth realms. Uh, it's not heaven. Uh, it's very similar to uh, to earth. It's just not physical. And there they they continue to act out. They continue to to search. Uh, or they can, for instance, uh, if one is a priest and dies in this lifetime, a lot of times they go into the big. Uh, the big monastery in the sky uh, with other priests and they do priestly things until one day they're just going about their business in the other realms and suddenly they're sucked back down into earth for another lifetime. It's their karma sucking them back down. Oftentimes somebody uh, dies, they're an alcoholic, to find themselves in a bar uh, in the near earth realms. And they could be there for years, decades, hundreds of years. They're continuing to act out, but it's a non-physical realm, but they don't really even realize that. That's unfortunately where most humans go now uh, when when they cross over. An ascended master, now you're sovereign. An ascended master, you can do anything, go anywhere. We often say you're in your third circle, you're in your sovereignty, and you can just be. Mm. Now, to the human, they say, well, that sounds boring. Don't you have to be doing something? Uh, no, you don't at all. There is a grandness in just being. There's a passion. I am that I am. And it's, it's just, it, it's a constant state of uh, orgasm, uh, of sensual feeling that, that comes over you. Now, we play a bit of a game. We have an Ascended Masters Club where we gather. Uh, we tell stories uh, about our lifetimes. And 
You know, for a long time, the number of ascended masters was just in the thousands. Uh, now it's grown. It's about 11,000. But we got really tired of the same old stories. We couldn't wait until a new ascended master came over, at least some new stories. Uh, we 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 relive a lot of our experiences, uh, like watching a movie almost. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, we we talk about the various groups that we work with. I, I would say at least uh, two thirds of the ascended masters are working with humans, uh, whether in a group or or as individuals. Uh, we can create our ascended masters club to look like anything. For me, it looks like a huge castle, uh, like it, with club like qualities, with great food and drink and music. Uh, uh, but it's because I'm choosing it to look like that. We don't have an agenda about Earth, but we're there to assist when somebody calls us. Uh, we would never interfere uh, with the ways of the humans, of governments, of wars, or anything like that. But when we are called, uh, we're there in service. And when we are called, mostly we go just to bring light, just to shine light. Now, some of us uh, Ascended Masters, we work with channelers like like Caldra uh, and others uh, to assist in bringing information to the planet. But uh, the I go back to what I said before: the human is the grandest being of all beings, and it is only one who has been in the human form, taken the human path, that can really be there in empathy and compassion to help others, humans. You can do that as an angelic being no longer on the planet as an ascended master. But uh, I don't take kindly to uh, some of the non-human types that uh, come to interfere because they're not as grand as the human itself. There's no other civilization that's more heart advanced than the humans. It was actually humans discovered love on this planet. It wasn't didn't exist in the other realms. It was here on Earth that love was first experienced. So how grand is the human? Now, what is the role of meditation and prayer in the spirit in, in the spiritual journey? Um, early on, it gets you focused early on, it helps you to, to uh, start connecting with something other than your human self. Uh, prayer gets you to start realizing what you are choosing as long as you're praying for yourself. A word of advice about prayer, never pray for anyone else, just for yourself. It's a form of witchcraft. The moment you start praying for somebody, uh, you're putting something on them that is not honoring their journey. Now you say, but somebody is, is sick, they, they need healing. Bring your light there, but don't pray over them. Bring your light so they can see other potentials that are available. But the moment you start praying, even the moment you start praying for uh, world peace. It sounds good, and I realize you're coming from a place of compassion, but uh, now you're inflicting your desires on a planet. The planet, the humans may want to be going through all these games uh, as, as terrible as they are at times. It's about having compassion for, for everything. Uh, it's about having compassion for others. You see a beggar on the street corner. Most people feel sorry for the, for the beggar. How about changing that and having compassion for their journey and instead 
honoring them for, for what they're doing. When they're ready, whether it's this lifetime or another one, they'll change. When they're ready, they'll, they'll realize that abundance is always there for them. But in the meantime, honor everyone else's journey. And, and oftentimes with prayers, there's direct interference. If you're going to pray for anybody, pray for yourself. Secondly, meditation. It's good early on in your journey, but what I've seen and what we talk about at the Ascended Masters Club is that meditation becomes a ritual. Uh, there is great good that can come from it in terms of the inner journey, but it becomes a ritual, and you have to do it for so many minutes, and you have to do it in so many different ways. And it, it's, uh, it's actually ultimately a distraction on the journey of, of becoming. Ultimately, you realize you, you drop prayer, you drop meditation, uh, you drop any of the rituals. They're all distractions along the way. And it's simply about allowing yourself, allowing your divinity, I am that I am. Now, what is the role of faith and belief in the spiritual journey? I'd say, again, early on in the journey, when one first uh, is even pre-awakening or going into awakening, having having faith does something interesting. It, it gets you out of the logical mind. Uh, faith is not about logic. Faith is opening and allowing in a way. But so often faith is then put into some external being, into a god or saints or whatever, Ultimately, it's about having faith in yourself. That's a hard thing to do. Uh, I, I always say that some of the hardest things to do as a human are loving yourself and having faith or trust in yourself. It's easier to love other beings. It's easier to, uh, to have faith in an external God. But when you get to the point where you love yourself unconditionally, you have faith or trust in yourself where you can allow yourself to finally open to open without defensive walls around you, to open not not to some external God, but to open to your divinity. Ah, then then you're there. Then you are realized. Well, how do you tap into your own inner wisdom or inner guidance? Mm. I like to take long walks, or did uh, in in my last lifetime. I like to just sit and feel and sense. Uh, I like to listen internally, not externally. I like to really allow myself to open my other senses. This was in my last lifetime. The human basically operates with about five or arguably six senses. An angelic being has over 200,000 senses that go far beyond anything the, the human could ever experience. The human is locked into a brain, uh, into their mind, and many put it as the, the highest quality of a human, but it's not. It, it, the brain, the mind, uh, even your human senses all that are all connected into your brain actually limit you. So by, uh, by allowing yourself to go beyond, by having this, uh, by feeling into you, you start to awaken some of those other angelic senses, the sense of beauty the sense of presence uh, the, that are all there that really defy the logic of the mind, but they are very real, very, very real. As you do breathing, as you just stop, stop tilting at windmills in your life, stop battling 
uh, old ghosts. These things naturally wake up. You don't have to work at it. You don't have to effort. It helps to uh, take walks. It helps to look off into the stars at night. But once you say, I'm ready, I am ready, no more of the old stuff, a very natural process kicks in. And it starts clearing old energies. It starts releasing uh, gravitational forces. And that is where the allowing comes in, allowing these natural cycles to take place. You don't have to work at it. You can't. You, you could not. The human cannot do realization. It can allow it, but it can't do it. If the human, it was up to the human, you'd overly structure it. You'd have expectations that were very limited, uh, to say the least, and you'd find a way to mess it up. Once you're ready and, and you say, this is it, I am ready, uh, and you allow, it's a very natural process. So I like to use the, the saying, Relax into realization. That's all it is. It's not fighting it. It's not trying to figure it out. It's not relying on other people. It is a natural process. Just relax into it. Now, how can we cultivate compassion for those who have different beliefs or values than we do? I'd say that, uh, first of all, <laughs> cultivate compassion for yourself. Uh, it's difficult to have compassion for others when you're constantly judging yourself because then you're going to externalize it. You're going to put it on them. Uh, start with yourself, compassion for everything that you've ever done, even the things that you judge as being wrong uh, or uh, being a, a sin or whatever else, being weak. Uh, th there is such a lack of compassion for oneself. And starting with some very basic things, the the feeling that you're weak because you, you were an angel in the other realms and you got stuck down here on earth and you, you forgot who you were. So there's all these guilt and shame that, that humans lay on themselves and they, they carry around. It's time to stop. Have that sense of compassion, realizing everything you've ever done. There's no, it's not right or wrong. It just is. It's an experience. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And then allowing yourself to receive the forgiveness from your soul. Human cannot forgive themselves. You've tried and it doesn't work. A human cannot forgive themselves. But when you're ready and you go to that altar of the soul and you put everything on it, you let the soul come back and hand you forgiveness. Now, it sounds simple, but it's actually a very difficult thing to do because I've seen human get to this point. This is the moment of the dragon. They get to this point, and the soul is saying, here is forgiveness. Very few humans can actually do that. They, they, have, to, they have to keep something. They have to keep a degree of guilt and shame. They might release a little bit, 10% maybe. 12%, but they still feel they have to keep it. And uh, it's this guilt, it's this shame that prevents one from having compassion for themselves. Once you have compassion for you, you look out onto the rest of the world and you realize you don't need to change a thing. You don't have to save the dolphins. You don't have to stop the wars. You don't have to heal the sick. 
you see with a different set of eyes, you see that each and every one of them is absolutely choosing their journey. Now, the human self may not be aware of it, but their soul self is. They are choosing whether it's a lack of abundance. They are choosing whether it's grand talent for music. They are choosing it. And it's time to honor and respect that in each and every person, no matter their religion, their sex, their sexual orientation, their color, what they're choosing in their life. It's a very, very challenging thing to do. And uh, Calder is telling me right now, you're going to be getting a lot of nasty comments uh, in, the, in the comment section. But it is a true master that can have compassion for each and every one. Now, when somebody comes to you and their, their body uh, is sick or they're destitute and says, I need help, then it changes. Then you're there to guide them, not to... Not to give them money, not to not even to do healings over them, but now the guidance occurs, and eventually it's guiding them to show them that everything is already here. Jesus said it. Uh, many others have said it. All the ascended masters realize it. It's all right here. Open your eyes and your ears, and you realize it's all right there. Now, on that on that thought, what is the connection between spirituality? and material abundance because a lot of people think that you can't be materially abundant and be spiritual you have to be a yogi with no no worldly possessions in a cave somewhere to be spiritual is there a balance what is the connection that's right up there with suffering uh thinking that you have to suffer for uh for your realization the uh the the poor spirituality uh, is it was something that was created a long time ago by religious orders. Uh, and it's basically a crock of shit. Uh, I hope you don't mind. Uh, I, yeah. Calder saying this is a family show, but I want to make my point here. Mm -hmm. Why? Why would you, would you be la in lack when it's your own energy in the first place and the energy is abundant and the energy serves you, why would you want to turn it away? There's this very strange, very old dynamic. I hope change is quick on this planet that to be spiritual, you means you have to be broke. You have to give everything away. Not at all. First of all, the ones that are coming after, after you, the ones that will come next into their awakening, they don't want to see a broke, tired, sick guru. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and flaunt and, and buy 94 Rolls Royces and three private jets, but you learned you live in the moment and you realize all things are always there. You have a nice house. You don't have to have 20 houses, but you have what suits you uh, for life. You have a car that's reliable. Uh, you, you have food that's, that's good for you. Uh, the bottom line is, you don't want to be worried about bills or paying things. That doesn't mean you have to live extravagant, but you could if you wanted. My last lifetime, I had many estates all over Europe, but people just gave them to me. I, how could you say no? Uh, this whole idea of lack, and, and that's a way of uh, attaining some sort of spiritual badge, uh, it needs to go. I want each and every one of you to be in abundance. You're not taking it from anyone else. You're not depriving somebody else because it's your energy and it's there to serve you. And ultimately, you can show them that they have their energy and it can serve them. 
Well, how do you handle feelings of spiritual doubt or uncertainty? I, I have talked about it recently at one of our gatherings, and I used a very uh, foul language. It began with an F, and other Calder is not going <laughs> to let me say it here, but it's F doubt. Why? Doubt doesn't look good on you. Well, what's the purpose of doubt? Nobody's inflicting it on you. You're inflicting it on yourself. Why? It's right up there with suffering. You're afraid to make a fool of yourself, or you're afraid you're going to do something that you've done wrong in the past. You're afraid that uh, you're going to fall out of a conformity, that you'll no longer be accepted in mass consciousness uh, or the Borg. Doubt is uh, one of the most dreadful things about uh, coming to realization. And it's like you pull up stuff from the past and put it in your, the path in front of you. Uh, it's like throwing rocks and glasses, glass and other things in your path. Make it difficult. Why? I think there is a concern that if you didn't have doubt, you're going to go out of your mind. But I'll tell you right now, going into realization is going out of your mind. You go beyond the mind. The mind is very fixated into this realm. The mind uh, has uh, 80 billion neurons it takes to operate the mind, and, and it's not efficient. There is a part of your mind that isn't generally activated yet, uh, unless you're more conscious, that knows how to go beyond the mind into your nost, into your knowingness, into your soul. You realize that the mind serves a very specific purpose of operating in this realm, but it's time to go beyond the mind or out of your mind. So doubt is cast. The mind brings up doubt. The mind says, what are you doing? Mind says, that you know that's not reality you're you're just daydreaming you're making this up and that's when you say f doubt f you i'm going beyond because uh otherwise i'm gonna circular path in my mind so f you doubt i'm going beyond now what's the most important lesson you learned on your own spiritual journey to realization on my spiritual journey yeah Coming uh, the, all those lifetimes, all this stuff. What was the yes. biggest lesson you learned? Well, I, I've told the story once or twice, and I'll, I'll tell a short version of it here. It was in my lifetime uh, in Atlantis. Uh, it was in what we call the temples of Tien in the end days of Atlantis. And uh, Atlantis was falling. Uh, the earth was uh, starting to crumble. We, a group of us, gathered in these temples of Tian. There was 144,000. Uh, it was in now uh, what you would know off the uh, coast of Cuba. And in these, we learned how to transcend this realm, the physical realm. We could, we could put ourselves uh, like a half of a breath away out of this realm, semi-invisible, but yet somewhat still grounded here. There were tremendous work that was done with uh, understanding self-love. Uh, I was not one of the elite 144,000. Uh, I was a slave boy. I was there to bring you and the others their food, their water, their drink, to make up their beds. I was just a, a little slave boy. And one day I walked into one of the grand temples where there was a large, large group doing a type of chanting or oming. Uh, they were actually bringing energy into a focus uh, to serve them. I happened to walk in. I was, uh, I guess, half asleep or whatever. I didn't realize what was happening. I walked right into the center of this energetic vortex. And then I was cast uh, into uh, a crystal prison. 
somewhere in the other realms, not really sure where it was, but I stayed in that crystal prison uh, for what I say it was a hundred thousand years. It could have been a, a year, it could have been a thousand, but felt like a hundred thousand years. Nobody could hear me. Nobody could see me. There wasn't a God anywhere outside of that crystal prison. There were no angels that were there to help me. It was just me. It was one of the most terrifying but yet beautiful experiences I've ever had. I was deep within myself. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I said it was a crystal prison, but I was simply deep within my own being, terrified uh, and also in true amazement. I tried everything to get out. I tried punching my way out, praying my way out, chanting my way out. I tried anger. I tried dealing, uh, bargaining with the devil, so to speak. I tried everything and nothing worked. And here I stayed in that crystal prison until one day in absolute desperation, having tried everything else, I finally said, I got myself in here. I can get myself out. There's no external force that put me in here. And there was no external force that can get me out. I am that I am. And in that moment, I simply stepped out. That's the most important lesson I've ever learned. It was a lesson about freedom. It was a lesson about also not blaming others, not being a victim. It was a lesson that uh, you can try to punch your way out of, out of life. You can try to negotiate your way, but you got yourself here and only you can get yourself out. From that, I made a commitment that I would come back lifetime after lifetime, helping other people to find their inner freedom. Not found on the outside. It's not found in, uh, in gods. It's not found in crystals. It's not found in ceremonies or anything. It's found within you when you're ready. It's been my desire, my goal to help others find their freedom as I found it. So that would be the most important thing. Do you have any final words for our audience? Yes, I do. Uh, and it's that you live in truly the most epic times on this planet. And you might have heard that before. Uh, you might have heard it in other lifetimes. But uh, I'm here as an Ascended Master to say this is the most epic of times. Things are growing faster than ever. Things are more, you could say, at a tipping point than ever. There's more potential on the planet, but there's also more snakes, more danger, more more pits uh, than ever. What's needed on the planet right now is for individuals like you to make that conscious choice to come to your realization and then allow it to happen naturally. You can't do it by trying to figure it out by relying on others. I mean, there's good information out there, but ultimately it's up to you. It's a very natural process if you allow it to. What's needed on the planet right now, and I don't mean this in any desperate way, but right now with technology and artificial intelligence going the way they are, what's needed is consciousness and light. There are many, many others waking up, and as so many of you know, it's a difficult journey. It's challenging. They need to see others like you who have made it into realization. They don't need spooks like me. They don't need 
uh, ascended masters that were here hundreds of thousands of years ago, they need realized beings like you on the planet right now as their new standards. So when you're ready, if you're ready, you take that deep breath and let yourself relax into realization. It's needed right now on this great planet. Adamus, thank you so much for being on the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Thank you so much. Indeed. And uh, on behalf of all the Ascended Masters, and there's a lot of them, we thank you for the work you're doing, and we thank your listeners for what they're doing. Uh, but you're, you're bringing light uh, onto this planet. Thank you. With that, I am Adamus of St. Germain. So with that, it's a perfect time to take a good deep breath, feel into all this information, just let yourself be with it, relax into it. So take some good deep breaths, taking care of you, it all starts with you. Alex, you do incredible work, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And he, he was so good to Adamus. I think Jeff's back already. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Thank you. I, uh, uh, I had to pull Adamus back a couple of times. He likes swearing once in a while just for the effect. And it's like, no, 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 this is a family show. And it's like, so uh, he, he obliged me. He didn't make me say some of those things. Well, good, 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 good. How did you feel it went? Um, it's always difficult for me to say until later. Uh, I'm so busy. Just uh, he doesn't give me words, you know. When when I'm channeling, it's a it's kind of a stream of consciousness. I have to very quickly translate those into words. But he also wants the expression. Uh, so often when I'm channeling, he wants me to walk around. My eyes are open. He wants every movement, every every gesture of the hands, every word. Uh, he wants timing. So I'm very very busy uh, translating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was it. It felt really good. I, I hope I hope your viewers enjoy it. Yeah, Linda, what did you think? How did you think it went? I thought he was um, full tilt intense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he wasn't as provocative as he is sometimes, or as controversial. I, I felt that there was he was a little bit more chilled. Wow, I just felt intensity. And <laughs> 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 determined to get yeah. the word out. Yeah. Well, that's that's it was a, it was a really interesting uh, conversation. By, by the way, Jeff, how do you feel physically now? Uh, I feel good. Uh, I'm a little dingy for uh, usually for a couple hours afterwards, uh, and I get very hungry. I need to eat something. Uh, <laughs> it's not a good time to give me car keys. Uh, I'm not. not <laughs> no. I, I, try to drive and it's like I, I'm still somewhere else. So uh, I always feel good after the channel. Uh, you know, it's like I, f I feel all that energy that's flowing through me and, and uh, it feels it feels really good. Um, so he gives you the munchies is what you're saying. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> like, it's, a it's a natural high. Uh, yeah, for some reason, I get, I get very hungry. Um, and, and but then later on, uh, after a channel, oftentimes, you know, a couple hours later, I just don't want to be around anybody. Uh, I just, uh, I see too much. I feel too much and open too much during a channel. And then it's kind of, um, it's not sadness, but I just, I just don't want to be around uh, anybody for a day. Is it kind of uh, like you become a little bit more raw uh, yeah. in a yeah. sense that you become more sensitive? 
Yeah. You know, he was talking at one point uh, about uh, people suffering and I'm not just saying the words, I'm feeling it and I'm yeah. feeling people, you know, not just Adamas. And it's sad. Uh, it's sad that suffering that, that we put ourselves through. And, and then, I mean, I feel that it weighs really heavy. Uh, and and uh, like when he was telling a story about the crystal, I feel it. Uh, I feel I'm in there with him. So it's very, it's very central, uh, very like a, you're, a movie that you're also in. Uh, you're watching it and you're in it. And it takes a little while to kind of readjust. Well, let me ask you, what do you hope that this conversation does for people listening to it? Uh, it causes them to think and to, to consider things. Uh, cause, I know Adama says things sometimes that are a little controversial, just a little bit. Uh, and, and it gets people irritated. Uh, but it causes them to think. And, they, you know, one of the things I know is going to happen is people are going to say, well, you know, Adamus is terrible because, you know, he says uh, to honor the beggar on the street uh, corner. And so they get all upset about that. But, you know, it causes them to think, well, hang on a second. Maybe they are choosing that journey. Maybe they're not a victim. Maybe they actually uh, have done that for lifetimes because they're choosing it. And maybe they can be like Adamus and get out of their crystal prison anytime they want. You get yourself into it. You can get yourself out of it. But you know what? Also, I mean, I didn't find that offensive at all. I mean, you Good. honor you honor uh, the homeless person you see, and if they are asking for help, you give them help in whichever way you can. Whether it's a, a it's a, a meal, it's a little bit of money. If it's a conversation, an acknowledgement yeah. that they are they are they mean something. You know, yeah. they just that's that's how I saw that. I didn't see that as uh, anything that was uh, offensive or, or even controversial because you do honor them if they choose not to want help that's fine too you yeah. have to that's, you have to honor that with anybody yeah. trust me anybody if you ever tried to help get out of a relationship or yeah. get out of a job that they don't like and they just don't want to leave because they're fearful or they're this or they're that right there's right only, there's only so much you can do absolutely yeah but you know if, if it causes people to stop for a moment and think and more than anything, are, are you really ready for realization? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You know, it, it sounds nice, but it changes a lot of things in your life. It, it turns things upside down. And, uh, you know, are you really ready for that next big step? And if not, that's fine. Uh, but if you are, then it's taking that deep breath and relaxing into it and, and being part of all the changes that you start going through. And it's, uh, uh, we have, we have something on our website, uh, channel from Tobias years ago, it's called the, uh, 12 signs of awakening. And it kind of goes through some very common things that, that people go through and it's, it's beautiful, but there's some tough parts of, of the awakening because you start to realize, uh, how, the image of that you made yourself into as a human, the ego and everything else, a lot of it just doesn't apply anymore. Uh, so, yeah. It's but like, well, it answer your question. Yes. Yeah, kind of like a, a character that you're playing. And at a certain point, you know, just like it, the, the, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. What, these little things that were so important to the character, but now that you're the actor walking off set. Yeah. Eh, it doesn't matter as much anymore. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> No, no, I'm truly hoping it would cause people to think and, and to uh, 
ask if they're truly ready for realization. There's a big difference between awakening and realization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I know your audience is is ready or has gone through awakening, but going to that next step, and that's that's where our work has been focused on all these years mm-hmm. is that path from awakening to realization, uh, providing some guidance, hopefully some humor uh, along the way, and and letting others know that they're not alone. Others, other people are going through that same thing. What can you can you just uh, talk a little bit about those twelve those twelve signs of awakening sure. for people who don't know it? Yeah, uh, it's everything from uh, uh, change in relationships because most relationships are based on karma. And when you're ready for realization, uh, it's time to let all the karma go. So oftentimes uh, your your home life uh, changes. Uh, it's also letting go of the the chains of the family connection because, again, you come tend to come back into uh, the same family lifetime after lifetime. Uh, when I started my awakening, I lost my job uh, almost right away. And it was a company I had founded. I was a, a founder of it. And I got fired. Best thing that ever happened. Uh, but it no longer served me to have that job. It would have not let me go into my next levels. Uh, it's a it's a feeling of sadness at times, and not knowing what the sadness is. A feeling mm-hmm. that you're going to just you want to cry, but you don't know why. Uh, it's a feeling, oftentimes, too, of uh, loss of passion, and that's one of the biggest ones. You've had a human passion all this time and suddenly it's gone you you know the passion might have been sailing or uh doing volunteer work or collecting coins and suddenly that passion is gone and it's very unnerving because it's what kind of what has kept you here and suddenly no passion ultimately mm-hmm. it's replaced with a whole different kind of passion uh but it's not one that you know collecting stamps or anything uh I'll I'll just tell you mine. I collect the comic books for my almost my entire kid oh, really? adult life. Wow. And right before the 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 pandemic, I decided to sell them all because it wow. wasn't serving me anymore. And I had a huge yeah. collection. I had a business selling them at one point. Wow. And I had a, and I just just didn't. I just like why am I carrying these around? I don't look at them. I don't enjoy them. I don't. I haven't bought one in ten years. I, I gotta just get rid of these, and I did. Yeah. So I understand a little bit of. Of that, at a certain point, you just go, this doesn't serve yeah. me anymore. The other big one is uh, wondering if you really want to be here anymore. And it's not a, it's not suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's not wanting to take your own life, but it's like, why am I here? Well, why am I continuing? I'm ready to leave. And it's not a, it's not a bad thing. And it's actually a good thing to contemplate and feel into very deeply. Why are you here? What do you want next, uh, and why do you want to stay? And a lot of people go through that, and they're ashamed because uh, you know you're supposed to want to be here, and they're thinking, "I don't know if I want to be here." Uh, but that's a very natural thing that happens along the way. Why? Right. Why am I here? And that's a question that you have to ask yourself: like, why am I here? What is the purpose that I still have here? If I'm still here, there's a reason for it. And what should I look for in my own right. life to help or? grow or expand uh yeah. It, yeah it's those kind of thoughts i understand completely what you're saying yeah so those are some of the 12 signs um jeff I, and linda both thank you so much for for doing this uh this was such a, a pleasure and a treat talking to adamas and then also talking to 
to you as well, Jeff, again. Um, do you have any final words for our audience? Um, yeah, we're I'm kind of picking up what, what Adama said. Uh, what lies ahead of us uh, on this planet as humans is phenomenal. Uh, there's an event coming up very soon, uh, March 22nd, uh, or if you're listening after that, it already happened. It's called Heaven's Cross. Uh, it's the name that uh, St. Germain came up with. And there's enough consciousness on the planet now that it literally opens up the other heavens. They intersect or they cross. Uh, it pierces the veil that we've all had to deal with in a long time. Uh, it gives you greater access, easier access to your divinity. Now, it's not like it all rushes in on one day, but just easier accessibility. It It is an unprecedented event. And Adamus uses the words heaven's cross because, well, the real word is the apocalypse, but he felt that might be a little scary for people. It's, it's not they, good branding, not good branding. Not good branding, no. <laughs> no. But, but literally in Greek, the apocalypse means the unveiling, lifting the cover. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's here. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed by it. Uh, we're, we're preparing for it. And it's a very personal thing. It's not a it's not a global event. It's very personal, but eventually it affects the planet. And uh, uh, that's, uh, I just would like to put out the word to everybody. It's going to have, you're going to have easier access to your own soul, your own divinity, but just allow it. Don't, don't work at it. Don't stress about it. Don't wonder if you're worthy. You just take a deep breath and you allow. And, and we're going to be tracking this carefully. And where can people find out more about you and the work that you and Adamas are doing? Crimson Circle website. It's at crimsoncircle.com. Crimson, like the collar, circle.com. Uh, we, we have a lot of free stuff in, in our libraries, 20-some years worth of messages from Tobias and Adamas. Um, we've pretty much kept a very low profile over the years. Um, we we People find their way to us. We We don't do any marketing, advertising, anything like this. Uh, but then after the last show I did with you, suddenly there's this surge of interest in Crimson Circle. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they are our nice little world now might Sorry. be changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you some statistics you might be interested in. Sure. But, uh, yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. It's, yeah. it's a lot of new people are finding their way to us because of you. Well, then you guys are you guys are hankering for for a beaten because then you decided to do another one. So. <laughs> hey, Adamus wanted equal time. What can I say? You know, of course he did. <laughs> uh, Jeff, Linda, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, and thank you for everything you're doing to help awaken the the planet. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Aloha, mahalo. Appreciate it. <laughs> I want to thank Jeff so much for bringing Adamus out to play, as they say. Thank you, Adamus and Jeff. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 220. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.